Welcome to the Real Life Show Living with a Chronic Illness. We are your hosts, Cassie and Chelsea. I'm Cassie, a single mom living with a chronic illness who is extremely passionate about living a full and happy life. And I'm Chelsea, a mindset coach that has a passion for helping people learn to put themselves first and be the best version of themselves each and every day. We came together to create Spoonies Unite, an uplifting community that offers resources, guidance, and support so you can live your best life while giving you the space to be yourself, be heard, and feel understood. We hope that by providing education from experts, we help Spoonies and their loved ones thrive. This show is not only for those who live with a chronic illness, but their friends, family, spouses, and just anyone else existing on the earth. Our goal is to normalizing having a chronic illness by sharing the real stories with real people and show the world how relatable those everyday struggles can be. There's a little something in here for everyone. And of course, thank you to our patrons for your continued support making this possible. If you love our show and want to get some extra goodies, go to patreon.com slash the real spoonies unite. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Real Life Show, Living with a Chronic Illness. Today, we are talking all about one of my personal favorite topics, movement, and what that means within having a chronic illness. So we love to bring on experts to this podcast because there are lots of things that Cassie and I are not experts in. But for this topic, the two of us actually are experts in this field. So please listen to us. Please, 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 for fuck's sake, listen to us. We actually do know what we're talking about on this topic. So I have my bachelor's and my master's degree in exercise science. I am also a certified personal trainer, group fitness instructor, health coach, and exercise physiologist. And I have completed a 450-hour comprehensive Pilates certification. I promise y'all, I know my shit when it comes to movement pretty damn well. If I don't, I will tell you, but I actually do know what I'm talking about. Cassie also has some credentials as well. Yeah, she does. (laughs) Okay. I am um, certified in mat Pilates and bar through Move Missoula. And I also completed a 600 hour classical Pilates comprehensive certification. Um, On top of that, I have lived with a chronic illness throughout that whole time. Um, I was actually like, I think I had just completed my MAT certification with Pilates and had started my comprehensive, uh, which is the reformer and all the apparatus. Um, And I was halfway through that training um, when I got my diagnosis. So um, yeah, I've been like, chronically ill through like the majority of it. Anyways, so my credentials with my chronic illness would be that I have Crohn's disease um, and which is a digestive inflammation. uh, It's an inflammatory disease of the digestive tract. And one of the other really big symptoms that I have had with Crohn's is joint pain, joint inflammation, and various other issues with my, my joints and muscles. Um, I have thrown my back out twice, um, and Pilates and physical therapy really helped get me back on track. So when people come in with like low back issues, neck issues, like I get it. I have been there. I have worked through it. I have like fucked my back up for like six months. Can't do anything except hardly even like walk 
can barely sit, can barely lie down, you know, truly like big problems. So, um, I get it. And I've had ovarian cysts rupture, which has messed up a lot to do with my pelvis. Um, I have a potential pending endometriosis diagnosis. I've had all sorts of other pelvic issues and, um, rectal issues because of my Crohn's, which has affected exercise a lot. Um, and then on top of that, I've worked with tons of clients that have either chronic illnesses, um, recovery, recovering from injuries, surgery, rehabilitation, arthritis, and various other ailments. So as, um, exercise professionals, Chelsea and I have like seen it all. And, um, yeah, we really know what we're freaking talking about when we say that movement heals. Yes. Take it away. hundred percent does. So I like to say that I'm not your typical personal trainer. Um, I never was at the beginning. I have never had a desire to focus on weight loss period. Um, and so the way that I view movement and exercise in general is that you just need to move your body. Because in all honesty, your body has no freaking idea what you're doing. It just knows that you're moving and the intensity that you're moving at. So your body has no idea whether you are doing Pilates or you're going for a run or if you're doing weightlifting. It just knows that it's moving, that its muscles are contracting, that your blood is pumping, your heart is beating faster, your joints are moving. It, that's what your body knows. It knows if something is easier or if it's more moderate, if it's more challenging, that's what your body, it has no idea whether you're doing one thing or the other. And so I don't know how many times I've been asked, well, what's the best workout for this? What's the best workout for this chronic illness? What's the best workout for this goal? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter as long as it feels good for you and your body. If you learn one thing today, it's that, please, because we put so much pressure on ourselves to do the right exercise, the right movement, and there's not really a right or a wrong as long as you're moving your body. You can go for a five-mile run for an hour, or you can turn on your favorite dance songs and dance in your house for an hour. You're still moving. That's, that's literally all that matters in the end. And so when you're trying to figure out what movements work for you, which ones don't work for you, really focus on what feels good to your body and your mind. I am not a big fan of running. That being said, that doesn't mean that I never go for a run. Sometimes I feel like going for a run. Sometimes I want to move faster and pump my arms and have really big strides with my legs. That's great. Am I going for a 20 mile run every day? Good God, no. I probably don't even go for like a one mile run like once or twice a month. I do it very, very, very rarely. The last time I ran was over a year ago because that was the last time it felt good for me to run. Uh, I used to absolutely love weightlifting, but about a year ago, I decided to try some new stuff, was doing a lot more Pilates, a lot more bar, and I've really, really enjoyed that. And so that's what I've been doing because it feels good for my body. It makes me feel strong. My joints don't hurt when I do it as much. I am able to get the, uh, the end result that I want, which is feeling like I worked hard without overdoing it. 
And so that's what I think is really, really important. And as you're trying to figure out, well, what movements feel good for you? What intensities feel good for you? You have to play around with it. There are some days I know I can go and I can kick my own ass. And I could do all of this high intensity interval training. I can't do it for an hour, but 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I can kick my own bike or kick my, kick my own butt on my bike in my house. I have um, a stationary cycle that I can use. Um, and then there's other days where I'm like, you know what? I want to move, but I want it to be like really gentle. And so that's when I stick with more bar or Pilates or yoga, not because those things aren't as hard, because let me tell you, they all can kick your ass, but it just feels different for me. There's just some days that I can't take that high intensity, super, super high energy because I'm already so raised up in my um, activation of my nervous system or my stress levels that going up higher is not going to make me feel better. I need to bring myself back down. And that's not always true for everyone. Some people are like, no, I need to have that really high intense, high intensity every day to make myself feel better. That's what keeps me feeling my best. Great. Then do it, but start experimenting and release this need that you have to stick to a certain schedule. You have to do these certain exercises because they're better than others. Cause that's just not true. As long as you're keeping good form, any exercise is good for anybody. Or I should also add in if you don't have some sort of injury or pre-existing condition. So like when Cassie was saying that she threw out her back, there's certain exercises that she shouldn't do because they're not going to feel good for her. They're not going to help her recover, but anything that does feel good is probably going to be okay. Yeah. And sort of like leading off on that too, um, a really important, important thing to share, especially like with with you saying, Chelsea, you know, that you can work out in your living room, you can work out at home. There's so much you can do on your own. There is also something to be said, getting one-on-one personalized attention. And you can get that with personal trainers or you can get that with a Pilates instructor. Um, but that is like super valuable, um, especially if you have a chronic illness or you have like skeletal issues or you know, muscular issues, or you're just really like not sure how to find exercises that feel good to you because maybe you're trying all these different workouts on your own, but you're finding that like nothing ever really feels good. You might need professional help to direct you to the exercises and workout methods that work for your body. Um, so that's one of, one of the things that I have loved so much about Pilates for myself and then for clients that I've worked with is they can come in with, you know, a back issue and I am laser focused on their form and I'll give hands-on attention and a lot of verbal cueing um, to make sure that they're not hurting their back with the exercise. I'll, t- I'll t- tell them and teach them how to do exercises without aggravating Um, the ailment that they have. And personal trainers are the same way. So I would definitely encourage you um, to seek a professional out and, you know, like finding the right person for you, looking at their qualifications, seeing if your personalities mesh, because that can really help you on your um, exercise and fitness and movement journey. And um, I just... I, I never realized the importance of that until I, until I received it. And I think that's a really good tip for all of you that list, are listening because getting that one-on-one attention or even the attention in a small group can really make a big difference. I know for 
some people out there, the idea of paying a personal trainer, which can be expensive, might not be something that feels really feasible right now. Um, some options to kind of think about is looking into small group training programs with people that are kind of at the same fitness level as you, whether that's again for Pilates or working with a trainer, they're going to be able to give you a lot more attention than if it's in a bigger class or a bigger group. So that's an option or sometimes even doing buddy sessions or duet sessions mm -hmm. where there's two people that's still going to like, it's so much easier to give attention to two people than like 10. So kind of think about some of those options. And it's also not something you have to do forever. If you mm -hmm. have a really good uh, fitness professional working with you, their end goal should be that in so many weeks and so many months that you don't need them anymore. Mm -hmm. That's always my goal when I'm working with my clients is that I want to make sure that if in six months they couldn't come and see me anymore, that I have taught them the skills to take care of themselves and to keep moving on their own. So kind of looking at that. And one thing that I would highly, highly recommend as you go and look for potential people to work with is any good qualified fitness professional, whether they're a personal trainer or a Pilates instructor or any of the other ones out there, they should be able to modify and offer you an endless amount of variation for any movement that does not feel good for you. There should be zero reason that you are pushing through a movement that does not feel good. Now, if there's um, some muscle weakness that we need to build up some muscles and build up some strength, there is going to be some discomfort. But if you are having full on out pain because of the movement that they're doing, they need to be able to give you an alternative option. 100%. And if they can't, you need to find someone else. Because I know I have worked in a lot of gyms. I've worked with a wide variety of fitness professionals. And there are some out there that are really, really good that they always have another option like, Oh, this is hurting your wrist. Well, let's do this or this. Oh, that option is hurting your elbows now. Well, let's adjust this, whether it's adjusting their form, giving you a different piece of equipment or just changing the move entirely to still give you the overall benefit of the move that they were going for, but to make it work for you in your body. If someone can't do that, you need to find somebody else. Cause I promise you that they do exist and it just, mm -hmm. it makes me very sad and very frustrated when I see fitness professionals that maybe aren't being creative and aren't thinking about, okay, well, my client can't do this movement here, but that doesn't mean they just can't do that at all. There's not going to get that benefit. There's always something else that you can do to kind of get the overall end result to your client. So yeah. look for those people. Yeah, I couldn't, I could not agree more. You're so right. And, um, when you do finish working out or like the next day, you shouldn't be in like pain, like being sore, like muscular sore, you know, that's a feeling that you may not be used to. And that can be really good. Um, but exercising and movement should not aggravate your chronic pain or increase your chronic pain. It should alleviate your pain, hopefully more than anything. Um, that's one of the things that drew me to Pilates so much in the first place was in my very first class, I felt pain relief and I got to exercise and I had muscle soreness and I was like, what the fuck? When have I ever gotten to experience this before? And, um, it was life changing. And so that's why I became a Pilates instructor. Mm -hmm. So, but it's the same thing with doing other forms of exercise too. Like I can go for a walk 
and feel good afterwards. Like feel like I moved my body and got a little bit of exercise. But if I even jog for like 10 minutes, my body like hurts from it and not like the, Oh, you're out of shape hurts. Like my body, the impact of running is just not good for me. Cause I just like raced my son down the street the other day. Cause I was like, I'm feeling pretty in shape. Like, let me see how this goes, you know? And it hurt like a mother effort. Like my whole body like swelled up. This is from like 10 minutes of running. My tummy hurt. Like I was cramping and not cramping like a cramp from running. I mean like low abdominal pelvic cramping. I felt like I was going to pee my pants, <laughs> you know, like all sorts of things. My, my like skeletal system was like bones grinding on bones. And so after like the 10 minutes, I was like, okay, running is clearly just like not for me. So that's just an example of like, you know, if it hurts and you intuitively are feeling like this is not the right thing for me, then, then don't do it. And Chelsea's exactly right. Like find someone who can show you a modification to um, help you achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. And I think that it is good to be aware that if you haven't been doing any movement or you've been doing minimal physical activity or exercising, when you first start, yeah, you're probably going to be a little sore, but it should not be to the point that you can't get out of bed. And I think that a lot of the health and fitness culture has kind of made this idea that we have to always be super, super sore or we didn't work hard enough, which is complete bullshit and honestly kind of pisses me off every single time that I hear it because you can get an amazing workout and not be super, super sore the next day. My favorite level of soreness is that I can go about my daily life and I'm like, oh yeah, I feel totally fine. But then if I go and I kind of stretch or I do a certain movement, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a little, that's a little sore because that means that I did work, but it's not to a point that it's hindering the rest of my life. No one wants to be so sore in their legs that every time you sit down to pee, that you're just like holding onto the walls and be like, I can get back down. I can get back up. I don't know. Like that's not fun at all. And so if you are constantly that sore, you're doing way too much, way, way, way too much. Start off slow. If you are brand new, start slow. Start with even though like you might hear this number and be like, Chelsea, that's not even worth anything, but I promise you it is start with one minute of physical activity. Walk around your house for one minute. Now, depending on where you're at, depending on what your fatigue is, your energy levels are, that might be more than enough for right now, but you have to start somewhere. I was working with a client not too long ago who she was really wanting to get back um, into an exercise routine, but with her chronic illness diagnosis, she just felt like she couldn't. And so we started with, okay, like, let's just do a couple minutes at a time. Let's do one or two minutes. If that feels okay, then we do a little bit more, but just adding on a little bit by little bit. Cause if you do one minute one day and you're like, man, I feel so great. And then you do five minutes the next day and you feel like shit. Well, then five minutes was too much. Wouldn't it be better just to do one minute, then two minutes, then three minutes, then four minutes, then get up to five minutes and ease your way into it and give your body a chance to adapt. I would say so. So I really also encourage you, anyone that's listening, separate this idea that you have to work out for so long or so hard for the 
exercise, the workout to be worth it. Because any movement, again, doesn't matter what it is, is worth it. Doesn't matter if it's 30 seconds. Doesn't matter if it's two hours. Whatever feels good for you, whatever's going to help keep you feeling good, movement is supposed to help your body feel good. The moment that your body starts feeling like crap because of it, so there's something out of balance. You're either doing too much, too high, much at a high intensity, or the movement itself is just not the best option for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it might take you just a little bit of like experimenting and trying. And Chelsea's totally right. Like start with a minute, start with five minutes, go up to 10 minutes. And if you already have kind of an established exercise routine, but perhaps you're finding that like, it's not working for you so well anymore. Um, like if you're, if you do a lot of high intensity workout and you're just not feeling good from it, for example, and you're looking for something different or whatever your fitness routine might be, um, experiment a bit. Uh, generally, Pilates and bar classes are an hour long, um, 55 minutes to an hour. And I have found that I, I really do most of the time do better if it's like 30 to 45 minutes. Um, I have to be kind of careful to like take a break and scale back where I need, even if that means like a five minute break where I just lay on the reformer, you know, if I'm going to do a full hour class um, and, and that's okay, that can be done. So, you know, find, it's going to take a bit of experimenting and yeah, if you're starting from the beginning, like do start with just five minutes, like Chelsea said, or one minute or two minutes. And um, if you have something established, but you're feeling like it's not working for you, I, I encourage you also to just like experiment a little bit mm-hmm. and see how you feel afterwards. And another example of that too is um, I have a client who has Hashimoto's, which is a um, autoimmune thyroid disorder and an underactive thyroid or like extreme hypothyroidism Um And anyway, she has found that she can run um, and like do hardcore running and she can do bar and it feels really great. Her body feels invigorated and feels really good from that, but she cannot do any type of like body pump or CrossFit or cycling. And that totally wreaks havoc on her body. And this chick is like super fit chick. If you looked at her, you'd be like, oh my gosh, she is like ripped. Her figure is like chiseled. When I see her running on the treadmill, she is like sprinting. And I always saw her as this like super fit, super chiseled chick. And when she came into my Pilates class and she loves Pilates too, by the way. Um, but when she was like, oh yeah, I have Hashimoto's. There's all these other exercise, exercise uh, methods that I can't do. It wreaks havoc on my body. And I was like, what, but you run, you know, and, and she even said some weightlifting is not good for her joints. Um, so it just really goes to show that like, you need to find what works for you. Additionally, um, I have two different POTS clients um, and one of them like die hard, does some cardio every day, no matter what, um, unless she has a migraine and it's gotta be a bad migraine to stop her from working out. But she'll do some cardio to get her heart rate up and we always have a goal of getting her heart rate up to like 140, 150 every, every workout. Um, whereas I have another POTS client that that cardio would probably put her in a flare and in pain for a week or two. Like it's just too much on the system. Um, And so everybody like really is 
different. And so you really do need to experiment and find what works for you. And that might mean that like, there's going to be some uncomfortable things along the way while you're experimenting a little bit. Um, but just focus on what Chelsea was talking about with like how that discomfort should feel. Is it like productive and healthy discomfort with your muscles or is it like your joints fucking hurt or like your ribs hurt, you know, your neck, your brain, like things like that. Cause that's, that's a different issue. Yeah. And if you're new to exercising, cause maybe you've just been really scared of having it put you into a flare or scared of hurting yourself or just don't know what to do, then it might take a little bit of time for you to be able to differentiate between muscles working pain and like bad, my joints, my body hurts pain. And so just feel free to give yourself permission to kind of take it as you need it and ease into it. And even if you're like, well, I don't know if this is hurting because muscles are working hard or if it's because it's really hurting the spot in my body. I mean, I'm all for erring on the side of caution and just like taking a break. And then maybe the next day you can be like, okay, well, yeah, I'm a little sore there, but it's not the same pain as I normally have. Um, when I have chronic pain flare up. So, okay, that's maybe a little bit more of this. That'll help you learn. It's just, it's all a learning process. Just give yourself permission to take it one step at a time and give yourself breaks as you need to. You do not have to push through pain. No pain, no gain is my least favorite saying in the entire world. I think it's complete crap. I love that you just said that, by the way. <laughs> and so, Chelsea, like speaking of which, maybe you can um, tell our listeners a little bit more about not feeling guilty if you can't do what you used to do. Yes. So that's something that I think affects all of us. Um, so I don't have a chronic illness diagnosis. Um, I am your normal, I hate using the word normal, but I'm like your normal healthy person. Um, and there's for me still things that I could do in my past that I can't do now. I was a track athlete when I was in high school and I could run like seven miles, no problem. Like that was my after school workout was to go run seven or eight miles. Yay. If I ran seven or eight miles now, it'd probably kill me <laughs> because I just, I'm not in running shape. And so I know for me, anytime that I try to get back into running shape or when I have in the past, I've always remembered where I was compared to where I am now. And so that comparison is a very, very, very normal. Um, you are you're not weird because you're feeling that. Everyone feels that. But what I really encourage you to do is release that guilt because me going for a run now and being like, man, my 20 something year old body just doesn't feel as good running this far as my teenage body did. Because one, it shouldn't feel the same for anyone. Our bodies change over time. And so giving yourself the space that things are going to feel different is okay. And I would really start to encourage you, if that's something you're struggling with, to look at what you can do. Because if you've had your diagnosis or you're going through trying to figure out what's going on in your body, adding on that extra guilt, that extra stress of, well, I can't do the same thing that I used to be able to do. It's not going to help you get there. It's going to actually tear your body apart even more mentally, physically, just it's not worth it. So thinking about what you can do instead of what you used to be able to do and can't do anymore is going to be a lot more beneficial for you to feel like you can keep going. 
And that's where, again, start small, little piece by little piece. Like no one runs a marathon by just going out and running a marathon. They start slow. And so maybe your personal marathon is just getting moving, maybe moving 10 minutes, 30 minutes up to an hour and asking yourself, well, where is this guilt coming from? Why is this, why does this matter so much for me? And looking at what is it that you really want to be able to do with your movement? And is that what you want realistic? Um, I could probably go out and figure out how to be a gymnast, but it would probably take me a really long time. (laughs) And I'd probably hurt myself in the process because my body is not designed to be a gymnast, especially quickly. It's going to take some time to get there. And I think just by being able to honor where you are right now, and it's okay to miss what you used to be able to do, but really appreciate where you are and that you can move still, or you can do anything that you're still able to do. That alone is really, really important because there's lots of people out there who maybe are bed bound or in wheelchairs or just for various physical limitations, can't do that movement, period. And if you are in the situation listening to this, maybe you are in a wheelchair or you're bed bound and you're like, Chelsea, the idea of going and moving for even a minute is just too much right now. Well, just again, meet yourself where you are. Can you move around for 10 seconds? If that's what you can do, awesome, great. Celebrate that and then go from there. Mm-hmm. You don't need to feel guilty. Yeah, and there's like some there's some really great um even like videos that I've seen out online about really good arm workouts that you can do from seated um if your health is in a position that you are either like chair bound, bed bound. Um additionally, I'm going to say it again, Pilates might still be the thing for you um, because there is equipment and props out there that can really help you and support your body. Um, so I worked with a client who um, had had a stroke and so she had paralyzed um, majority of the left side of her body and um, she had a lot of nerve issues. And so um, her left leg in particular would kind of go rogue and um, that neurological connection wasn't, it, it, need, it still needed work. And so when she would get on the equipment, it was really helpful um, for her because of how much the equipment supports you and helps you. Um, So I really encourage you, you know, that Pilates has been accessible to, oh my gosh. I mean, there's just like to everybody, um, you can look up articles on clients. Like there was a woman who became a Pilates instructor who had a shark attack and lost her leg and Pilates helped bring her body back to, um, the place that she wanted it to be. So there's just, Like there are so many stories. So I really encourage you for Pilates. Now going into Pilates a little bit, um, it is such a great movement modality for health issues. It's amazing. Um, It's amazing. And I know we're biased because we're Pilates instructors, but But there's a reason we became Pilates instructors. (laughs) 100%. I've seen a lot of movement stuff out there and Pilates is by far my absolute favorite. Yeah. And that's coming from all of Chelsea's qualifications and like experience with exercise and fitness and um, education. And then coming from my experience of like living with this illness and trying all these different fitness regimes 
and Pilates is fucking where it's at. So, okay. One of the things I wanted to share about Pilates is that it was um, created by Joseph Pilates. He was a nurse during world war one and um, he had already studied like tons of different forms of exercise. He was a boxer. He was into contrology um, and all sorts of like he studied the way that animals moved. Um, he posed for various like anatomy, physique, uh, drawings and photographs for anatomy books. So he really took care of his body. And so during world war one, he ended up being a nurse and, um, he had all of his patients, um, in hospital beds and they couldn't exercise. They couldn't rehabilitate their bodies. They couldn't move much. A lot of them were bedridden. So he created these and built these various frames and springs and pulleys and straps around their hospital beds so that they could move and rehabilitate their bodies. So when you learn that that's how Pilates like started, it kind of shows why it's accessible to everybody. So whenever I have someone come in, a new Pilates uh, client, I always start with that story. It's like it is available to everyone, no matter what your fitness or physical level is. Um, Additionally, then he opened his first studio in New York City and... Then he had tons of dancers and um, athletes coming to him because they saw how much his um, workouts could help to prevent injury. And anyway, he's freaking amazing. But in classical Pilates, um, there are every exercise and every workout is based on the four S's, which is stability, stamina, stretch, and strength. And when you take all of those concepts into mind, it's no wonder that it can be accessible for everyone, no matter what, because you're going to work on stabilizing your joints and your body and your skeleton and everything. Um, You're working with increasing your stamina, which is we all need. Um, You're going to stretch. And some people can be like over flexible and they think that they don't need the stretch, but it's, it's like different. It's not just like, Oh, can you pop into the splits, you know? And then for some of us who have a hard time, you know, being stretchy or feel like they're really inflexible, um, Pilates helps with that a ton. And then every exercise also uses strength in Pilates. So I am definitely like the strongest I've ever been through doing Pilates, the most flexible I've ever been. I have the best stamina I've ever had. And my body is the most stable it's ever been. And if I didn't have that basis, I can't imagine how much worse my body would be with the illnesses that I have. And when I have hurt my back in the past, like I can't imagine how much worse off All of it would be if I didn't have my Pilates background and um, the support of Pilates to help heal and get on the way, get me better and on my way. Um, If you have arthritis, fibromyalgia, nerve issues, scar tissue issues, it can help with even that um, inflammation and, and just fantastic for like everyone and all of you, you need Pilates. Don't care who you are or what you like to do. You're going to thank us later when you go and find a good qualified instructor. Now, just like Chelsea was talking about um, finding the right 
personal trainer for you, finding the right Pilates instructor is really important as well. There's a lot of different trainings out there, just like there is for everything, personal training, yoga, like all the stuff. There are some kind of like long weekend courses for reformer training, which is like completely insane to me. And I don't even know how that's like possible because there's just so much material, so many variations and so much that the body can do that I don't know how it could possibly be squeezed into that like small amount of time. So I encourage you to find um, an experienced instructor or look at what their training was. Um, they are long trainings for, you know, reformer certifications, um, which also includes like tower, chair, Cadillac, ladder barrel. That's what encompasses the comprehensive training. Um, even for MAC classes, you can get a ton out of MAC classes, especially if you have the right instructor. Um, but the equipment is really nice because of the support that you're going to get. So also you'd be probably surprised to learn like how many Pilates instructors have their own, you know, health journey that they went through to get where they are or experienced, you know, Pilates benefiting their body in a certain way. Um, I mean, I've shared like how much I loved it and what it's done for me, but Chelsea, you know, even you saying that it was like one of the best exercise modalities out there and everything that you've done coming from like high school track athlete to like, you know, exercise science masters, like everything that you have, what made Pilates stick out to you? So I was first introduced to Pilates when I was doing my master's and originally my career goal was to be a physical therapist. And I kind of drifted away from that and was like, I really like this health and fitness field. I like helping people in this way. And it didn't require three years of extra school. I only went to, to two years of extra school for my master's versus three to get my doctorate for um, PT school. And the first time I stepped into a Pilates studio, I was like, huh, this reminds me a lot of physical therapy because of the way that you're approaching and the specificity of all the movement. And so my eyes kind of like my brain were picking up on all these things. I was like, man, this is a really kind of a combination of physical therapy and like this health and fitness field that I love. I really felt like it was this perfect blend. And the more that I did it and the more that I learned about it, it to me is just a much more precise controlled way of moving your body. Because in my professional opinion, you can go through any movement and move your body and you're going to get some benefit from it. But if you're not using the right muscles to get that movement to happen, then you're not doing yourself any good. Like squats is something that we do every day. If you're like, oh, I don't squat, then you're lying because you get in and out of a chair and out of a car and out of your bed literally every day. Unless you're one of those people that for various reasons are not getting out of your bed or out of your chair, then that's different. You're not included in this, but most of the population is doing a squat every goddamn day. <laughs> but most of us also do it wrong. And I am what I was one of those people for years. Um, I played softball, basketball. I ran track. I was very active as a child and I continued to weightlift all through college and into grad school. And I was like, yeah, I'm really strong. I'm really strong. And um, on other episodes, I've mentioned that I don't have the biggest booty. Well, part of that was because I wasn't using my glutes. Most of us, when we squat, don't use our glutes, the big butt muscles that are really strong and powerful and should be used to do, to do movements like a squat. We use our quads, the front of our thighs. 
And that's not proper movement. Yeah, we can still do the, the movement itself, but we're not using the best muscles to do that. Or maybe you're dropping something on the ground and you're picking something up. We don't tend to squat down into it and use our big, strong leg muscles and glute muscles to bring us back up. We use the little tiny muscles in our back that don't like to do the heavy lifting. And so you can, while I said earlier, all movement is good. You still want to have good form and good control. And there has been nothing out there that has allowed me to connect into my body the same way that Pilates has. I, again, said I spent years squatting. I was like, I'm totally doing it right. I'm doing all the form cues. I'm pressing through my heels. My knees are behind my toes. I'm doing it so good. But I was not connecting into my glutes. I thought I was. And then after I started doing Pilates, because the way the equipment is put together it kind of forces you <laughs> to use certain muscles. Like if you've ever done a bridge on a reformer on a fairly moderate to light spring, your glutes and your hamstrings are going to work mm-hmm. like hard. <laughs> and I remember having this moment of starting to do Pilates, starting to learn about it and being like, I love this. Then I went back to doing some weightlifting. And I remember the first time I did a squat, I was like, holy shit, I found my glutes. That's what it's supposed to have been feeling like for years. I wasn't doing it right. And at that time, I've been personal training at that time. Like I was supposed to really know my stuff. And while I did know everything, I wasn't connecting to my body in the same way. And so through learning about Pilates, the principles of having so much control and precision and really connecting in to your muscles, your body, your breath, I was able to learn so much more about how our body was actually supposed to move and how to help myself and my clients move in the most efficient, effective way possible. And the more that you do those efficient and effective movement patterns, the more automatic they come. And so now I don't have to think about engaging my glutes when I do exercises. They just, they just do most of the time. Some days there's days I'm having a hard time connecting, but most of the time they just activate. And because of that, I've had less, less back pain. I've had less knee pain because the right muscles are doing their job. There's not other joints or other muscles having to pick up the slack. And I know for me, once I started doing Pilates, I was still and teaching other classes and training clients, but I started noticing how much of what I was learning through Pilates was seeping into the rest of what I was mm-hmm. doing. Because I did honestly feel like it was just this foundation that I wish everybody had. I truly believe that I do not care what you do. I don't care if you have a chronic illness. I don't care if you've got an injury. I don't care if you're um, a weekend warrior athlete who does all of these races or competitions. Pilates is going to help you do whatever it is that you love better and more effectively and decrease your pain no matter what. I love that. Cause that is the goal. Like Pilates is supposed to help you live the life that you want to like outside of the studio. And I love that you addressed that mind body connection, Chelsea, because that is like such a huge part of Pilates and why so many like professional athletes have started doing Pilates is because of Um, the connection they've made with their bodies and that like meticulous movement. Um, And it's, yeah, I mean, I dislocated my shoulder three times when I was young and Pilates has like helped my shoulder more than anything, physical therapy, like everything, chiropractic. Um, Pilates helped me to strengthen the muscles and tendons and ligaments supporting that joint and be able to like strengthen my biceps and triceps and, you know, posture muscles. And so it really like, and then I had a client who had terrible plantar 
plantar's fasciitis and was in pain every day for a year with her feet, had gone to podiatrist and everything. And there was like not much that can be done. She is in her sixties. She started doing Pilates and she was like pain free from her, with her feet from Pilates, which is like incredible. So freaking try it. It's amazing. All of you could benefit. Just find the right instructor. If you go in and you don't mesh or don't click, try somebody else. Um, and we totally encourage you that this could be the thing that was missing for you. If you have really like not found what you love and if you've tried it and you're like, I hated Pilates, I encourage you to try it with someone else. <laughs> and, um, otherwise, yeah, you know, and Chelsea, I would love for you to talk a little bit about some of the interesting like statistics and stuff about general health, because you've talked about starting with, um, a little bit of movement or, you know, having these time pressures on ourselves to work out this much every day. And statistically what you think you may be having to do, um, for your health may not actually be correct. Right. Chelsea. Oh my gosh. It's one of my favorite topics, but I did want to add in one last thing about mm -hmm. working with a good professional, trying something new. If you don't like it the first time, try it again. One thing that I, as an instructor get frustrated on is when people aren't communicating to me that something hurts. Oh yes. Because Speak I can't help you make it feel better if oh my you don't gosh. tell me it hurts in the first place. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it is, I, this has happened to me a few times. It happened more often when I first started and, and maybe myself was not as good at asking some of the questions, but I had people come and try Pilates and then they were like, oh my God, my shoulder hurt the next day. And I'm like, okay, well, let, let me, let me ask about like, what, where did it hurt? Do you think, was there a move that bothered you? And then they told me like, oh yeah, I've got a shoulder injury that I didn't tell you about. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't have done half the things that we did if I would have known you had a shoulder injury. Also, if it bothered you during the time, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> it goes back to there are so many variations of movement and exercise that if something doesn't feel good for you right in that moment, I promise you we can find something else. But again, your instructor cannot do that if you don't tell them. So please, please be open and honest about what feels good. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you're like, yes. or any instructor's feelings. And if you do hurt someone's feelings, then they need to work on themselves as an instructor. But you're not going to hurt someone's feelings if you're like, man, this move really, really hurts my back or this is killing my hip or my foot or whatever it is please, for the love of all things good, tell your instructor because they can fix it for you. They can give you a different option. They can help um, change it up with a prop or change your springs. If it's like, they, they can help you. I promise. Speak up. Yeah. Just, I, I freaking that in. <laughs> could not agree more. You're so right. Speak up. We want to know. We're not going to be offended. We want you to feel good when you leave. We're there to help. We are not in your bodies. So we can't feel it all the time of what you're feeling. I will say that we can sometimes feel what muscles are working and stuff like that, but we can't oh, yeah. feel the discomfort. So mm -hmm. speak up. Don't be shy about it. Like we want to know we're friendly. We're friendly mm -hmm. folk. And I can speak mm -hmm. for most exercise professionals and for sure. I'm really glad that you added that in Chelsea. Yay. Yes. So then moving on to some of these um, general health kind of statistics and information. So one thing that I found super, super interesting as I was going through some of my certifications and education is that when you look at the recommendations for exercise, for physical activity, for general health, 
it's actually not this massive amount that we built up in our head. So like, I know when I talk to clients or just talk to just different individuals about how much do you think you need to exercise to be healthy? They're like, oh, I need at least an hour every day, like kicking my own butt. Like I hear that answer all the time. And I'm gonna tell you right now, th that is not accurate. It's not true at all. So based off of the American College of Sports Medicine, which that is a group of smarty pants individuals who've done tons of research and they're just, they're really smart. <laughs> They've put together some guidelines that I know I follow as a health and fitness professional. Um, my exercise physiologist certification is through ACSM. And so I definitely follow their guidelines because it's within my scope of practice and my education to use the information that they're giving out. And one thing I find so interesting is if you are again going for general health, so if you've got a chronic illness, this might be a little bit different depending on how you're feeling, but for general health, you need 150 minutes accumulated across a seven day period, AKA a week of moderate physical activity for general health guidelines. So what that means is I like to use a scale of like one to 10. So like one is you're sitting on your couch, watching your favorite Netflix show, mine would be the office. And you're just chilling out. Like you're not doing any physical activity at all. And a 10 is you are going all out balls to the wall, kicking your own ass. You cannot work any harder. You can only sustain that high, high, high intensity for 20, maybe 30 seconds at a time. If even that think of it as your sprinters in the Olympics, they are going all out. They are giving it everything they've got, but they're only running for like 10 seconds at a time. That's your 10. You're all out. This moderate intensity is going to be somewhere maybe between like a five and a six, maybe creeping towards a seven, but it's something that you can do for a sustained period of time. It's getting your heart rate up. You're breathing a little bit harder, but it's not impossible. You might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not the worst thing you've ever done in your entire life. All right. So that's kind of that moderate intensity exercise. Now to get 150 minutes accumulated across the week, you can do that a couple different ways. You could do 30 minutes, not an hour, 30 minutes of physical activity at a moderate intensity five times a week. And you have hit that 150 minutes total. All right. That doesn't sound as intimidating, as challenging to do. For most people, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, that's not that bad at an intensity that's not killing you every single time. All right. So that's one example. The other one is uh, 75 minutes of, of vigorous physical activity accumulated across a week. So vigorous activity is going to be closer to that eight or nine, maybe even towards that 10 um, on the scale of one to 10 for that intensity. It's a little bit harder. But notice that it is 75 minutes. It is half as much as the 150 minutes at moderate intensity. So as you increase your intensity, you have to do less. One of my favorite interval workouts is a Tabata. And so a Tabata is 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off, eight times. And so it's a four minute block for one set. It should kick your ass. But one round is four minutes long. That's it. Maybe you do one, maybe you do two, maybe you do three. If you're crazy, you do four, but you don't do it for an hour. When I used to teach Tabata classes in college, they were 30 minutes 
total, including the warm up and the cool down. We only actually worked out for like 12 minutes. <laughs> that entire class because anything more than that and you were going to kill you were going to hate yourself because it's so it's so intense your bodies literally can't handle it and so what happens in our body when we exercise is not only do feel good hormones get released um, those endorphins and our joints get lubricated and our muscles move and it makes us feel really good and energized but once you push past a certain point the stress of physical activity, the stress of exercise is the same as any other stress out there in, in the world, in your life. And when you get stressed, there's a hormone, cortisol, that's released into your system that can wreak havoc on your body. It can cause inflammation. It can cause a whole host of other things. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on all the things that cortisol does. All I know is that cortisol can be the bad player going on in your body can cause so many problems. And so you want to make sure that your physical activity is within a limit that you are not releasing so much cortisol in your body that it's doing more damage than it is helping you. And so that's why I like to use those ACSM 150 minutes of moderate physical activity or 75 minutes of vigorous physical activity as kind of some guidelines of, are we doing too much? Are we doing too little? Um, I've worked with a client that was definitely in the over-exercising category. She was working out super, super high intensities for an hour and a half to two hours a day. And she just felt like crap. She didn't have a chronic illness, but she was exhausted. She was irritable. She was tired. She was hungry all the time. And while she had a weight loss goal, she wasn't losing any weight because cortisol was wrecking havoc in her system. It was way too high. And so she couldn't reach any of her goals. When I convinced her <laughs> to just experiment with doing less, lower intensity, moderate intensity exercises, things that felt good for her and not feeling that she needed to work out two hours, six days a week. She actually started noticing changes in her body physically, as well as her mental and emotional state. So just know that you do not have to kill yourself every single workout. And when I kind of give this little talk, because it's one of my favorite things to talk about and to share with people, the next question I get is, well, what about like if I'm training for a marathon or if I want to do more, I love exercising. I don't want to only work out for 30 minutes a day, five days a week. I want to do more than that. All I have to say is that's okay. As long as your body feels okay for it. And that's where really getting to know yourself and how your body feels and how your body reacts to certain modalities of exercise is going to make a big difference because if you're someone who you're like, you know what, if I go for an hour long walk every day, I feel really, really good. Depending on how fast you're walking, it's going to be a low to moderate activity. That's going to more than get you to that 150 minutes of moderate physical activity for the week. But if you feel good doing it, it's not making you more tired. It's not making you stressed out. It's not making you irritable. Then go for it. That's fine. And the flip side of that. If you're someone who maybe 150 minutes of moderate activity right now does not sound doable, don't do it. Work up to it. Again, it's a suggested guideline, not an absolute rule you have to follow. And especially if you have a chronic illness, any chronic illness client that I've worked with, I've seen that it really could depend on the day. I had a client I worked with in grad school that there were some days I could kick her ass. I could make her do rope slams and ball slams and things with the battle rope and we could do power walking and we could do all this challenging stuff. I could get her heart rate up, her breathing rate up. 
knowing that I didn't want to push her too hard to cause her to go into a flare, but I could challenge her a bit more. And then there were some days where I saw her and she'd be like, I'm so tired, but I want to move. I want to do something. What can I do? And we'd walk slowly. We'd do more stretches. We would do things that just felt good for her body in that moment, in that day. So take it day by day, do what you can. And again, those are guidelines, not a hard and fast absolute rule. The most important thing is to listen to your body and move in ways that feel good for you. I don't know how many times I've said that this episode. So I hope that it's hit home. Movement is great, but you don't have to overdo it. Freaking yeah, dude. I completely 100% agree. And I'm so glad that you shared that because when I learned those statistics, I was really surprised. I had a lot of like pressure on myself and it was, um, I had a lot of pressure that I should be like exercising and working out more than what I was doing. And when you shared those really interesting t- statistics, um, I realized that actually I was doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, you have so much information. Um, anyone, if you have questions about movement and your chronic illness, how to get started, what you should look for in an instructor, um, or what kind of modalities that you should try or methods. I mean, just anything like, please reach out to us. Um, as Chelsea said in the beginning of the episode, um, we are as experts in this field. And so we do our interviews with other people to get as much information to you as we can. But this is something like, if you have questions and you want to know more, reach out. Hello at therealspooniesunite.com is our email. Um, You can specifically address it to either one of us and we can help you on your fitness and health journey. Yeah, we just want all of you to feel good. And we are also working on putting together some little workouts and movement ideas on our YouTube channel. So that link will be in the show notes as well as on our website. So if you're wanting just to get a few ideas, have someone kind of walk you through some certain exercises, check out that resource as well. Mm-hmm. And have a wonderful day. Thanks so yeah. much for listening. Bye everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please write us a review to help us reach more people like you. If you'd like to connect with Cassie and I, you can find us on Instagram at the real spoonies unite. You can also join our private Facebook community, Spoonies Unite, or you can visit our website, therealspooniesunite.com, for all sorts of resources and to stay up to date with our current projects. And don't worry, you can find all these links in the show notes below. Thank you to our wonderful Spoonie patrons for all your support, and you can become one too. That's right. All you have to do is go on over to patreon.com slash therealspooniesunite, and you can get all sorts of extra goodies like videos of our episodes and more. Any support is greatly appreciated. It helps enable us to create more content for all of you, as well as make this podcast sound better and better. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be back in your ears soon.